You know, these first couple weeks of the family series, we, we're actually uh, taking uh, uh, just a moment to kind of share some things that are on our heart as pastors. And, and really what's on my heart is leadership. And I, I said it last week, and I'll say it again, that leadership is not a title. Again, it's a dimension of influence. And, and so we all can embrace that lifestyle of leadership. And I believe that God is calling the next generation and encouraging this generation to continue in leadership, to continue leading well, to continue responding to the call of God that's upon our lives. You know, God called us and then he commissions us. In Matthew chapter 28, it says that we're to go into all the world and share the good news about Christ and the end will come. And that is all of us, everybody, come on. That's every single one of us in our context. We, 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 are, we are to be charged and encouraged to, to, to do that. And sometimes we have to be activated when we are just kind of, you know, sitting in a place of compromise. You know, there is seasons in our life as individuals where we get to a place of compromise, where we just kind of stagnate. Anybody been there before? You know, I don't know if, you've, if you care for a pool, if, you're, if you ever cared for a pool before, but if you don't maintain it with the proper chemicals and, 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 the, and the pH balance and all of those things, the, the pool begins to change colors. And then after a while, it starts to have a smell to it. And then sometimes there's things swimming around in there that otherwise shouldn't be swimming in there, if you know what I'm talking about. And then you have to shock the water. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to shock the water in our life at times. How many, how many, how many of you want to be shocked? <laughs> Not shock therapy, although that could be helpful. Look, last week I ended, the last point that I ended last week, because this is part two, by the way, responding to the call of leadership, part two. I ended with God calls us, God calls, and we pursue. God calls and we pursue. In Matthew chapter four, verse 18, it says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. You remember, they were ordinary people, just like me and you. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I love this. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that we would respond to it immediately, God, that we'd be like the disciples, Lord, that when you speak to us, God, we hear it clearly, God, and we decide internally that we will follow you. We say, yes, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you ever heard the story about a man who fell in a pit. By the way, we find ourselves in pits sometimes. But there was a man who fell in a pit and he couldn't get himself out. And a subjective person came around and he said, 
I feel for you down there in that pit. And then an objective person came along and saw the man in the pit. And he said, it's logical that someone would fall down there. Now, I'm gonna hit one of you out there somewhere. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think that you're in a pit. Then a Pharisee, a religious man, a scribe, he said only bad people fall into a pit. (laughs) You have anybody tell you that before? (laughs) Then a news reporter came around to see what was going on (laughs) with the man in the pit, and he said, give me the exclusive story on why you're actually in that pit. I want all the details. Then a fundamentalist came around and said, you deserve that pit. All right? You deserve that pit. Then a Calvinist said, well, I gotta see what's going on as well. He said, if you've been saved, if you had have been saved, you would have never fallen into that pit. Right? Then a Wesleyan said, you were saved and still fell into that pit. <laughs> then a charismatic, how many good charismatics we have, have in here? They said, just confess that you're not in a pit. <laughs> I'm not in the pit. I'm not in the pit. I'm not in the pit, Lord. Praise God. I'm going to speak it until the pit is removed. Right? Then the realist said, that's a pit. <laughs> you're in a pit, that's for sure. Right? Then an IRS agent came by and said, are you paying taxes in that pit? <laughs> I know you're in a bad place in life, but your taxes are due. <laughs> Right? Then the county inspector said, do you have a special permit to dig in that pit? <laughs> the evasive person avoided the subject of the pit all along and changed the subject completely. He didn't even acknowledge there was a pit. The self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was some of you out there, right? Then the bookie came along and said, chances are that anyone's gonna fall into a pit. (laughs) The optimist said, things could be worse. Things could be worse. The pessimist said, things will get worse. But Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. Come on, everybody. (laughs) You know, Jesus is the teacher and we are the students. That's a wonderful place to be. You know, a lot of people have a lot of opinions and some are good and some are bad. We have a concept as a staff and we say, chew up the meat and spit out the bones. (laughs) Chew up the meat and spit out the bones. But Jesus is the teacher and we're the students. The Bible talks about a disciple of Christ, meaning Jesus is the teacher and we're the student. A disciple is is a pupil, a student. And so we have a wonderful opportunity to learn lessons of leadership from Jesus. I, I believe that he's the greatest example for us. As a matter of fact, when he, when, when, when he was revealed to the, to the apostles that he was the son of God and he called them to follow him, he set a trajectory that changed the world. His teachings goes from Jerusalem to the four corners of the earth for centuries 
It's the greatest teacher of all times. And we can learn some lessons of leadership from the great teacher. Y'all with me? You ready? So let's pick it up right here. Following Jesus. These guys were following Jesus. Remember they left their nets and they followed him and he picked up some more to follow him. And he's all over the place. He's sharing the good news. He's healing the sick. He's demonstrating and displaying the glory of God and the power of God and people are being saved and transformed. And he's coming along in John chapter four, verse seven. It says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Now, Samaritans were outcasts, by the way. They were on the other side of the tracks and the Jews didn't talk to them, but Jesus did, remember? He said, please give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? The first leadership lesson is that if we follow Jesus, he said, follow me and value people. You know, when I was thinking about this message I realized, and we're gonna get into this, but I realized that I need Jesus to help me value people. I value people because first God valued me. First he died for me, he bled for me, and the compassion of Christ, the, the, the spirit of God quickens me, my spirit, and shapes my heart into his heart. That's called transformation, if we yield to him. And so Jesus said, follow me and value people. You know, I think Jesus valued that Samaritan woman way more than she valued herself. She was an outcast. Maybe she was cursed as a young child. Uh, maybe she was known in the town as, as being a, you know, maybe a promiscuous woman, Right? Maybe there was all kind of labels on this individual, but Jesus stopped just for a moment. He said, I'm gonna value this person by simply talking to them. And, and Jesus will teach us how to value people as we yield to what he's trying to do in people's lives. You know, Jesus values people more than we value people. Really, he does. And so we have the great opportunity to learn the leadership lesson of valuing people. I mean, I think we're in a great um, uh, time in, in our nation where we can actually be like Christ and value people. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the Great Commission. Because if you, if you continue to study that story where Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman, he was revealing himself to her saying, I am the Messiah, the son of God. And, he would, and he would, there was a lot of things Jesus could have been doing, by the way, in his time. You know, I, I love to go back and study church history and study actually what was going on when Jesus was walking the earth. And there was a lot going on. There was a lot of division. There was a lot of injustice. There was a lot of uh, terrible politics. There was a lot of crooked people all over the place. But Jesus was on a mission to redeem the lost. 
And so we get to participate in that. And so we value people because God values people. And the story continues with Jesus encountering all types, all shapes, all sizes. Matthew chapter nine, verse 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. I love that portion of scripture because that's what he was proclaiming. That was the proclamation he brought to the synagogue. There was a lot of things he could have brought. You know, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on what people should bring to the synagogue, right? To the platform, to the pulpit of the Lord. I love what Jesus brought. He brought the good news about the kingdom. I, I, I would encourage you to go back and study actually what was going on in that demographic what was going on in that context? What was going on politically in that time? It'd blow your mind. You think it was bad now? Boy, look, <laughs> it was horrific. But he was preaching the good news of the kingdom because it's an invisible kingdom. It's an everlasting kingdom. The kingdoms of this world are gonna come and go, but his kingdom is gonna last forever. And so we're serving a king of an everlasting kingdom. That's what, that's what brings the surge in my gut. How about you? But, but we keep going. And he healed every kind of disease, verse 36. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were confused, they were helpless, they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were dazed and confused because of Facebook. <laughs> they were led astray by news outlets. They had a lot of ideas, but Jesus said, I have compassion for them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. How many know that Jesus is the shepherd of our soul? He's the bishop of our soul. He is the great high priest who's in charge. He is God almighty. And he said, these people are like sheep without a shepherd. And, and he had compassion on them because he saw where they were. You know, Jesus said, follow me and have compassion on people. Follow me and have compassion on people. You know that Jesus can lead us and guide us. And Jesus can open the eyes of your mind and your heart and your spirit to see people like he sees people. Now that's a miracle. That's a miracle. You know, we can get so caught up in our stuff. We can get so stagnated and what's going around. We can chase so many rabbits and spend so much energy on things that really don't matter. It's a trap, everybody. It's a trap. And that's why we need shock therapy. <laughs> Some of you psychiatrists will get that. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, a prayer that I pray all the time is God, show me what you see. 
Because if I'm left to myself, I'm gonna be selfish. I'm gonna think about things that don't matter. And I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna steward my life properly to the glory of God. You know, we only have so much time here on earth and within this timeline, we only have so much energy that we can actually invest for Jesus. And so I, I, need, I need the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the people of God to encourage me even more as I see the day approaching so that I can steward my energy well for Jesus. And so I say, God, show me what you see. God, what are you trying to do in my life? God, what do you wanna use me for? You know, as a pastor, uh, uh, the, you know, it'd be good to do something called confessions of a pastor, right? You know, you can get real busy and you can have a lot of pressure and you, and, 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 and you, and you can start looking at things in the wrong light and you can begin to bicker and complain just like everybody else. Bicker and complain, bicker and complain. But when you begin to worship Jesus and you begin to realize why you're doing what you're doing, something in your heart changes. And, and I believe when we get, when we get that revelation for, from Jesus, there's extra gas in the tank and we don't burn out and stall out. A lot of people talk about burnout. And I think you should steward your life well. But even more than that, I think we should see what God sees and have him make adjustments to us. See, Jesus went and he continued to win. So a question I ask myself, am I going? Jesus went, am I going? Jesus saw, am I seeing? Jesus felt, am I feeling? Jesus prayed, am I praying? <laughs> you know, if we focus on the brokenness that's in our life versus the perfection that's in Jesus, we're always going to justify our inaction. That's it. We're always going to justify our inaction. And there's a beautiful thing when we harmonize with what God's doing on the earth. This is just a beautiful thing. And it takes contemplation. And, and it takes prayer. And it takes repenting. You know, I repent all the time. You know what I mean? I told you guys I'm rough around the edges. I'm like Peter. I cut ears off and I ask God to glue them back on. You know what I mean? You know, my first inclination is cut the ear off. It's so, you know. What's your first inclination? But you know what I've learned is that repentance is the fountain of life. You know, when, when, and repentance just simply means I'm changing the way I'm thinking and I'm going to, to harmonize with what the word of God is saying to me and I'm, I'm gonna repent and, and, and guess what? I'm, I'm not gonna live in a pity pot because of repentance. Repentance is actually the gear that keeps you moving. You, you've gotta live a lifestyle of repentance, right? You've gotta, be, you gotta, you, you gotta live a lifestyle of confession, Saying, God, man, man, my heart was off. You know what I mean? I was angry or I was sad or I was, God, my heart's off. I'm not thinking right, God. Show me how to think, Lord. Help me, God. Charge me and challenge me. Shock me, God, right? You know what I'm talking about? Holy Spirit, do a work in me. 
And I was on my way home last night from Pensacola. My dad, uh, uh, my sister, uh, she, her and her husband went over to Pensacola. I mean, just her, her husband and their daughter, sorry, went over to Pensacola and she's little. And so she, he let her play with her, his phone, you know, yeah, play with the phone. And guess what? He didn't have a case on it. He didn't have a screen protector on it. And you know the story, it shattered to pieces. And so I get the call from my parents there at the uh, uh, local phone store trying to buy a new phone. Can't remember their Apple ID. You know how that goes, especially, especially if you're old. <laughs> I know, I know. Trying to, trying to figure out the Apple ID, you know what I mean? And you know when you're trying to find your Apple ID in a phone store, you're hyperventilating. I mean, this is bad times, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, <laughs> so I get the phone call, what's the Apple ID? I give them the Apple ID. They said, it's not the Apple ID. I give the email, because I keep the passwords for my parents so when they have this problem, I can come to the rescue. <laughs> what's the Apple ID? What's the Apple ID? All right, I give you the Apple ID. It's not the Apple ID. It is the Apple ID, it's not the Apple ID. I can hear the guy in the background, you know, asking my dad security questions. Who's your first teacher? And I'm thinking, and he's yelling it out. I'm thinking, oh my God, it's a security breach. I'm gonna have to change everything. <laughs> What's your dog's first name? And that dude's like, man, I think I saw that bank app on his phone, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> And so I drive over there. I just said, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to Pensacola. And my parents are like, no, don't do that. It's not worth it. I said, I'll see you soon. And so I drove over there and uh, I got there. I said, let me see your phone. And I put in the Apple ID and hit submit and it, and it worked. And they said, you're a miracle man. I said, I know I am. <laughs> my dad said, you're not worth hundreds. You're worth thousands. I said, right on, brother, right on. <laughs> But I left about eight o'clock last night, 7.30 last night, me and my wife were riding back and I just turned on some worship music for those two hours. And I typically don't do that. I I'm an analyst, so I'm always thinking about the future and I'm not listening to music. So I turned on this worship music and I was praying as I was riding here and God was just making adjustments in my heart. There, that attitude, that mindset that perception, so graciously doing that. And when the Holy Spirit does that in your life, it brings life to you. It doesn't bring condemnation, it actually brings life. And it brings vigor, and it brings passion. And so that's, that's the lifestyle of repentance I'm talking about, just that simple. Jesus, He's doing some more stuff in Luke chapter 22, verse 24. And I love the dumb disciples. How about you? I can always relate to them. Verse 24 says, then they, the disciples, Jesus' followers, they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. How many, how many ladies are like, that's not me. Men are always like that. Like, I'm the greatest. Not this dude right here. See, Jesus, he did a few miracles. I'm doing many. You know what I mean? I'm gonna sit at your throne. Jesus told them, watch this. <laughs> I love Jesus, right? He said, okay, you guys wanna be great? Okay, great. I'm gonna show you what greatness looks like. Verse, 20, verse 25, Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people. 
yet they are called friends of the people, but among you, it will be different. See, what, what I like about Jesus is he rechanneled that motivation. You know, he took the, the disciples' um, competitive edge he, he took the disciples' sinful nature of flesh and he said, let me show you how to apply the cross to that. Let me show you how to carry your cross daily. Let me show you how to die daily that I might be glorified. Let me show you a better way. Isn't that what Jesus does? He said, but among you, it'll be different. Those who are the greatest among you shall take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant like a servant. Jesus said, follow me and serve people. You know, he was washing his disciples' feet at that time, which is a great form of humility. You know that we should do that for one another? Now, I'm not talking about washing your feet. I don't wanna wash your feet, everybody. I know some people in the feet washing. When I went to the dermatologist, I cleaned my toenails just so that they weren't disgusted. <laughs> Did you know I'm a normal person? How about you? Yeah, I go to the dermatologist. They check out the feet and all, you know what I mean? Looking for anything on the skin. And I, I, I like to try to clean. I told her when I went there, I said, look, I didn't go to get a pedicure. I apologize. She said, no, sir, this is very pleasant. You would imagine what we see. I know I'm a little bit off track, but we can have fun in church, everybody. You know, I'm just a normal person. Welcome to our living room. You know, we're talking about toes and anyways. <laughs> but he was washing feet and, and he, said, he, he said, you're gonna be servant leaders. You're gonna do something different than what the picture of the world system has. If you're a business leader in here, if you're, if, you're any of the, if you're anybody of the sorts, change the way you lead. You'll be amazed. Matter of fact, in this context, he was saying serve one another. Do you know that we should serve one another in here? Like a servant leader? I gave an illustration to a leader a couple months ago, about a month ago, and I said, you know, we would like, speaking of the pastoral staff, our senior pastor, we would like to, to, to have such an environment, such a culture here that it looks like this. You know, if you have a young child in the house, probably not your spouse because you wouldn't do this, but the refrigerator is left open. You just go, oh, they drank some milk and you shut the refrigerator door. You screw that top back on there. I guess, is that some of you in here? Maybe not. No, maybe not. But if your husband did it, you yell at him, right? You know what I mean? Why are you drinking milk out of the refrigerator? Anyways, you shut the refrigerator door and you never say anything about it because you're serving that individual. It's, it's, I'm not talking about being careless and all that. Can somebody in this church leave the refrigerator door open? Can a leader do it? Can I do it? Can somebody do it? And you not criticize it and actually serve and shut the refrigerator door because guess what? It's your refrigerator too. If the milk spoils because the door was left open, it's because you saw it open and you're pointing your finger that it's open and you did nothing about it. Now we're starting to preach. This is what I'm telling people. And this is your church, not my church. You want a church that preaches the gospel? You preach the gospel. You want a church that serves other people? You serve other people. 
You want a church that when one person messes up and is in the pit, you lift him out of the pit. You know what I'm talking about. Follow me and serve people. You know, in order to serve people, you, you, you have to have a personal security in yourself and who God made you. You have to possess humility to do that. That's our goal here. Jesus, he continues on Matthew chapter five, verse 13. He said, you're the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it lost its flavor? Think about that. What good is salt if it lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? He said it would be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Here's the healthy fear of the Lord, reverence. You're the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Don't you love that? I love that limp litmus test right there. It says that your good deeds and your light will cause people to praise your Father, not you. Here's a good inclination of your service. Are people praising you or are they praising God? Now, I know people give compliments. I'm just saying our core motivation is to redirect people to Jesus because he's the king. He'll never fail you. Jesus said, follow me and influence people. Follow me and influence people. And this is my last point. And this will summarize these first two weeks of responding to the call of leadership. We have to follow Jesus and influence people. He said, you're the salt of the earth. He said it. He said, you are the salt of the earth. There's your identity statement. So we have to think purposefully. When Jesus says I'm salt, I have to think with a purpose. He's telling me he wants to use me in the earth. He wants to make me a person of influence so that he gets the glory, not me. I have to think purposely. And he said, you're the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I have to see responsibly. How many of you have done that before? We realize that your public life it's like, man, I can't beat that guy up on the job anymore, it! You gotta speak openly. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. You gotta speak openly. You can't be ashamed of the gospel. Paul the apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation into an everlasting, eternal kingdom where the dead will rise again. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Some people are ashamed or they're, 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 they're silenced. They're silenced 
and won't proclaim the gospel. I'm not talking about the cancel culture on social media. I'm talking about the gospel. The gospel. I gotta speak openly and then I've gotta act intentionally. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see. I've gotta act intentionally. I've gotta steward my life on purpose because God has a greater call that's going on here. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I can't manipulate you. Look, no pastor here is trying to manipulate you, control you. No, just the opposite. We're trying to help you and serve you and, and, and show you the picture of what God has for you. He said, my sheep, hear my voice, his voice, and they follow me. Let's bow our heads here just for a moment. Some of you are in this place right now and God is calling you. And you've never had a real relationship with Jesus. But today is your day of salvation. Today is your day where you can relinquish your rights for him. Today is the day that the Holy Spirit is revealing to you that you're in need of a savior. His name is Jesus. There's one God and one mediator between God and man and it's the man Christ Jesus. He's the perfect lamb of God that was slain for you individually. And when you come to that realization, your faith is made alive and you can, by faith, receive his grace, which is eternal life. And so I'm just gonna try to help you right where you are and you just say, Lord, that's me. I surrender my life. You paid for the price of sin for me. Your mercy now is triumphing over judgment because of Christ, because of what Jesus did on the cross. If that's you, just say, Lord, that's me. Save me, God. Forgive me. I'm yours. And the Holy Spirit will come and seal you and live inside of you and confirm to you that you're a son and a daughter of God. And the Bible says that he'll remember your sins no more. Thank you for saving people in Jesus' name. Let's give it up, everybody, for those who prayed that prayer. Yeah. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet because we're gonna get right back into this worship song, but we're gonna declare those things that we just talked about over our life. Father, I thank you, God, that we're responding to the call of leadership, God. Lord, I thank you that we can follow you and value people, God. I thank you that we can follow you and have compassion on people, Lord. God, I thank you that we can follow you and influence people, God, and serve people. God, would you activate us, God? Would you shock us, God? Would you cause us to move from where we are to, God, where you want us to be, God? Lord, we're gonna be led by your spirit, God. Lord, so we forget those things which lie behind and we press forward for the goal 
that's ahead of us in Christ Jesus because you're all powerful, God. You're all powerful. God above it all. Come on, church, sing it. Sing it. What an incredible Sunday here at Northwood. Yes. So I hope that, uh, that each of you guys were able to take something away from this message because there's so many nuggets uh, that Pastor Casey dropped on us today that you guys are gonna be able to take into your relationships and your lives and uh, hopefully be able to center them around our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. <clears throat> so uh, my name is Anthony, first off, and uh, I just wanna drop a quick, uh, just a few announcements for you guys. Uh, before you get uh, get on your way today, and uh, but before I get into that, actually, let's uh, let's give one more round of applause for everyone that gave their life to Christ today. Amen. Praise the Lord. We cannot overstate the value and the impact of that. So um, I hope you guys feel welcomed here. Everyone that's done that, whether you're online, whether you're here today, and uh, that you get connected. And so I'm gonna give a give a way for you to do that. Um, and we also want to welcome anyone that's here for the very first time today. Uh, we want to welcome you into, into our house, into the Lord's house. Uh, we also want to, to welcome anyone who's maybe been here for a while. Uh, maybe you've been here you know, a few different times. Maybe you've been here for, for a year or two and just haven't gotten plugged in. Today is the Sunday where you're going to get plugged in. And I want to show you how to do that. We have a Next Steps card right in front of you in the seat pocket. It looks just like this. It's gonna take you about two minutes to fill it out. And what we ask that you do is just fill it out really quickly, drop it off in the next steps area in the back. Uh, we have some people there that wanna meet with you and, uh, and take that card from you. And we wanna reach out to you this week and just again, get you connected uh, and make sure you feel the love that's in here, the love of Christ, okay? And so uh, that's, a, that's great, make yourself available to that. Um, and just one more thing, guys. For the people 
whether you're new, whether it's someone that gave their life to Christ and, and you're a regular person here, you, you have a regular prayer life with Jesus, um, or even if you don't and you wanna start that, keep these folks in your prayers this week because we know that as we grow closer to Christ, guess what's gonna happen? You all know the enemy's gonna start attacking, right? And when he's attacking, we know that we need those prayers lifted up on our behalf. So let's, uh, let's keep that in mind this week as we're going about our daily life. <clears throat> on that, Prayer is obviously so important, guys. And so because of that, we have a prayer team up front here each and every week at the end of our services that uh, just wanna pray with you. Whether, whether you're dealing with anything, uh, that you're struggling with anything, or maybe it's a family member, or maybe life's good and you just want some extra prayer. Um, we have those people that are up here that they wanna, they wanna love on you and they wanna agree with you in prayer. So make yourselves available to that. Guys, I love how, one thing I love about our church is how giving we are. Even through 2020, a crazy year, I think we can all agree on that, right? Um, a crazy year, we were still steadfast and faithful in our giving to the Lord's house. And because of that, we were able to do some amazing things in our community and globally. One of the uh, missions that we support here, and we've actually been supporting them for about 25 years, um, is the Surge Project. And if you've been around for a while, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This organization is amazing. Uh, their mission is to plant and reproduce churches globally that build Christ-centered communities um, and train disciples, again, globally. This is amazing. So uh, definitely continue your faithful giving, even in 2021. And there's two ways to do that. So you can actually, uh, right now, you can mail it in uh, to 14281 um, O'Neill Road uh, here in Gulf Forge, right behind me. And you can also give online. My wife and I actually uh, do that and uh, we set it up on auto pay so it's nice and easy. Don't have to stress about uh, remembering or anything like that, it's automatic. So I encourage you guys to do that. And just a couple of last things guys before you guys are on your way. Um, I wanna encourage you guys to make it out this Wednesday to uh, at 7 p.m. to our first Wednesday service. I don't know about you guys, but last month was amazing, amazing, mind blowing. So it really shifted my perspective on a lot of different things. So if you missed that, um, don't beat yourself up about it. Just make sure you, you're, you're here this Wednesday, okay? Um, no, no condemnation here, right? So um, on that, the last thing I have for you guys is just a quick reminder of small groups. You guys heard a video already about how important small groups are. Um, they've as definitely been important for me and my wife in, in terms of just our relationship and growth with God, but also building Christ-centered relationships, with us, which is so important, right? So there's a small group area in the back right corner there, right behind you guys. Make sure you make your way over there. Find out about all the different types of small groups that we have, because we do have a variety. Um, get all your questions answered. And again, make this church, uh, even though it's a big church with many locations, we wanna make sure it feels small and condensed just for you so you feel welcome here and you find your niche here. Um, but that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you guys for fighting through the, the beautiful uh, rain outside <laughs> and being with us today. We love and appreciate you guys. Have an amazing week and God bless you all.